It's a special time of year, obviously, as we talk about Christmas and all that comes with it. And as excited as we are for Christmas, immediately afterward, you're going to feel regret over two things. You're going to feel regret over how much you have eaten between Thanksgiving and Christmas and how much money you spent, particularly on Christmas. And so the next week after Christmas, you're going to panic and you're going to get together your list of things that are going to change beginning January 1st, 2015. And you'll have a list, at least in your mind. You may be, well, I don't make resolutions. Well, you just did. So you, you, you're going to have in your mind some things that are going to happen. I want to finally drop that extra 10 pounds, 15, 20, whatever it may be for you, that I've been carrying around for a while that I put on since Thanksgiving. It's, it's going away finally, once and for all. We're finally going to get out of debt this year. We're, we're, we're going to do it. You know, I'm going to get on a better schedule. I just, I'm going to make sure that I'm more disciplined with my time. Whatever it may be, you're going to have those things that beginning January 1st, you're going to begin to put into practice. You know what you need to do. You're motivated to get it done. You've got some specific ways that it's going to happen. And that's kind of where we are right now as we close out this series that we've been in now for 10 weeks. We, we know what to do. We're more motivated to do those things. And we even have some very specific ways that we can get it done. That's kind of where we are. The goal in this series has been very simple. It's been to increase our understanding, our motivation, and our application of what we've called missional living, life on mission for the Lord. We've looked at the fact that Jesus, when he left this earth, handed off his mission to his disciples, and that includes us. And how is it that we can leverage our lives, the things we're good at, our interests, our jobs, our families, our time, the things that God has given us, how can we leverage those to, to, to see someone else have the opportunity to know and understand the love of Jesus? And so we, we started this series 10 weeks ago, and the very first sermon was about selecting what we called your one for 10. Your one person, your one group, that over a 10-week period, you would commit to showing the love of Jesus to them, to trying to begin the discipling process, to, to somehow see yourself be used of God in their lives. And then from there, we set about trying to cover the gamut, at least as best we could, the full spectrum of what's going to be involved with all of that. So we looked at Abraham and how there are times when you're going to have to take your foot off first base if you're going to get to second. You can't steal second, we said, with your foot on first base. There are things you're going to have to leave behind, fear, whatever it may be, in order to get to where God is calling you to go. And then we looked at Moses and how sometimes, quite honestly, the people that you're trying to influence can drive you crazy. What do you do? Well, you love them anyway. We looked at Moses. Then we saw other characters in the Bible, and we, we began to ask God to bother us with what bothers Him. What is it, Lord, that's on your heart? What do you want to see in the lives of people? Burden us, bother us, shake us up with those things. Then we looked at Ezekiel. What do you do when you feel like you're just beating your head against the wall? Because let's be honest, sometimes with that person that you've selected, sometimes with that one for ten, those people in your lives... That's what it's like, is beating your head against the wall. Then we fast forward, we went to Jonah. And we looked at the reasons why we refuse to participate in God's mission. Jonah said, Lord, I'm not going. 
You can't make me. I'm not going to tell those people about you and give them uh, an example of your grace. I'm not going to do that. And the truth is, sometimes that's our reaction to the Lord as well. Then we saw what it takes really just to kind of be a nobody. You know, we think sometimes that this life on mission for the Lord, we've got to do all these grandiose things and be famous. Well, if I were, if I were only on television, if I only had a, a podcast, if I only had a blog, if maybe if I had this position at work or if people would really listen to me, well, what we talked about was the fact that the Lord has always just used a bunch of nobodies like us who live out somebody in front of everybody. And then we looked at what does it take as Jesus was able to be contagious in his holiness. What can we do to live a contagious Christian life? And then last week we looked at how can we tell God's story by simply telling our story? What has Jesus done in your life? And so through all of that, through these first nine weeks, let me just assume for a second that you are of complete understanding. There's nothing unclear about what a life on mission for Jesus looks like. You completely understand. And let me just assume that you're thoroughly motivated. I mean, you are ready. In fact, you've, you've already, you're kind of revving your engines and you just, okay, now I'm, I'm ready to go. And, and let's just assume that, that you know exactly how to, to do these things. You, you've got some specific ways that you're putting them into practice. Now what? Now what? Let me tell you now what. What's going to happen now is a grand conspiracy to get you to quit. Think about your New Year's resolutions and how sore you are two days after that first workout. It's, a, it's the soreness that you've never experienced in your life. You have things that hurt that you didn't even know existed in your body. How in the world can something way back here hurt it's a conspiracy to get you to quit, isn't it? Oh, I don't feel like doing it today. I'll, I'll work out again when I'm not so sore. <laughs> yeah. Or that unexpected expense when you've got your get-out-of-debt plan. Something happens. Throws a wrench into all of your plans. Or those interruptions that keep coming when you've, devi you've devised the perfect schedule for you during the week. What's going to happen now as you understand as you are motivated and as you're trying to apply what it looks like for you to live out this mission of God in your life is going to be a conspiracy to get you to quit. This morning, I, I want you to, to walk with me just briefly as we look at some of the reasons why you'll want to give up. Why will you want to quit? Why will you want to say, it's just not worth it. I'm just going to exist. I'm just going to take up space and live out my days and that'll be it. I want to show you those reasons. I want to also give you some important questions to consider. When you, when you get to the point, and it's going to happen, where you say, you know what, I'm not so motivated anymore. You know, yeah, I want to see people come to the Lord, and I want to be used by Him, but man, it's hard. I want to give you some questions that maybe you can come back to. And then I want you to, to leave here with a simple commitment to live life on mission for the Lord, not on your own strength. I'm just going to do it better but in the strength of your Lord Jesus. So I want you to look with me in the Scripture. Acts chapter 28. Acts chapter 28. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then the book of Acts. And we're in the very last chapter, right before Romans 1. So however it is that you can access the Scripture this morning, we're going to... We're going to move around a little bit in the book of Acts, focused on one main passage, but then giving some of the backstory as well. 
And so if you've got your Bible handy or you've got your tablet or your smartphone, be ready to kind of move with me just a little bit. We pick up the story in Acts chapter 28 sometime around 60 A.D., give or take a few years. The Apostle Paul, whose story is the centerpiece, his ministry, his life is the centerpiece of the book of Acts from chapter 9 really through the end of it, he's completed his three missionary journeys. If you know anything about his story, that once he came to know the Lord, he began to go out. And he traveled to places where the story of Jesus had not been told. And then he went on three different specific journeys, and he's now completed those, and he's on house arrest. He's, he's under arrest, but he's free to some degree to welcome visitors and to have people, but he can't leave the home that he's renting. And he's awaiting a hearing before Caesar for some charges that have been brought against him. The book of Acts is unfolded to this point exactly the way that Jesus told the disciples it would. In Acts chapter 1-8, he said that that they would take the message of the gospel, the story of Jesus, to Jerusalem, to Judea and Samaria, and then to the very ends of the earth. And that's what's happened. It began in Jerusalem, it spread out to the regions around that, and then now it's poised to go to the very far reaches of the known world. And chapter 28, verses 30 and 31 is where we'll we'll begin. So kind of down at the bottom of that sheet there that you've got in your bulletin. They give us the last record, at least of what we know, uh, other than what tradition has handed down to us, the the story outside the Bible, what we know of Paul's life before he was executed a few years later. So let's look at it real quick. Chapter 28, verses 30 and 31. He, this is Paul, he stayed two whole years in his own rented house, and he welcomed all who visited him proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching the things concerning the Lord Jesus with full boldness and without hindrance. And that's how the book of Acts ends. The story's not over. It's sort of a to-be-continued story, but this is how it ends. We get the idea that the Apostle Paul, whose conversion happened in Acts chapter 9, just keeps on going. He, He doesn't ever quit. He never stops doing what God has called him to do. He never stops living his life on mission. Now, let's be honest. We're going to see in just a minute that, like all of us, Paul had plenty of reasons to give up. Plenty of reasons to turn around, to quit, to say it's not worth it, to simply take up space as a Christian, to live out his days in peace and rest. Maybe you can relate to some of the reasons that he had to quit. This is where we'll work back through in verse 23, beginning there. Paul had every reason to quit because of fatigue. If you look there, it says in verse 23, after arranging a day with him, many, these are different Jewish people and leaders, came to him at his lodging. From dawn to dusk, he expounded and witnessed about the kingdom of God. He persuaded them concerning Jesus from both the law of Moses and the prophets. It says many people came to him. And from dawn to dusk, from early in the morning until late at night, all day and into the night, Paul preached and poured himself out in the service of others. This is the story of his life. This isn't just one episode. Paul poured himself out over and over and over. And in his life, it was often a one-way street. Maybe you can relate to that. You might be the person who just keeps pouring yourself out over and over and over. And it's a one-way street. There's nobody really who relates to you. And in fact, most of the time, it doesn't get returned to you. I mean, you just keep pouring yourself out. And since his conversion, Paul hasn't stopped. This has been a fast-forward kind of life for him. Living life on mission, let me just tell you, can be a very tiring experience. 
you're sort of always on. You just say, I guess I'm always supposed to operate like Jesus would, right? Yeah, that's sort of the life of a believer. Letting the Lord live through you in every circumstance. It can wear you out. It can be very tiring. Because there are always more people to minister to. There's always another need to meet. The words that are used here, expounded, witness, persuade, they talk about some effort that goes into this. He explains everything. He, he pleads with them and urges them to believe what he's telling them. He tries to win them over to persuade them. You know what it's like to pour yourself out in the service of other people in the same way Paul did. And to seem to get nothing in return. You, 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 you know what that's like. To do your best to help somebody see the truth. I mean, over and over and over you try to plead with them and just and help them understand. You know what it's like to feel responsible for lots and lots of people. And not just responsible to take care of their physical needs, but to be spiritually responsible for them. You know what it's like to do all that you can to show them the love of Jesus and what He's about. To try to convince them of the truth. And there are times when it just makes you tired. I, I once worked for a pastor who <clears throat> believed that we should try to convince all the young people in the church that going into full-time church ministry is the absolute greatest, most fun, incredible thing they could ever do with their lives. He and I disagreed. Not because I don't think that being in ministry is incredible. But I didn't want to sell the wrong story. Because when you give your life completely, and I'm not just talking about going into full-time pastoral ministry this morning, but when you truly lean into God's call in your life, it's not always a bed of roses. Sometimes there are plenty of thorns. Sometimes there are things that wear you out. Part of the conspiracy against those New Year's resolutions you'll make is just fatigue. You'll just get tired. I'm tired of trying to work. Nothing's happened. I've been working out a week, and I don't see any changes. Now, we've been on this budget now for three days, and we don't have any more money than we did three days ago. You're just going to get tired of it. It's not worth it. I'm done. I give up. Missional living comes with the same kind of risk. Paul faced some serious fatigue, but he also faced a lot of frustration. Look at verse 24 real quick. Some were persuaded by what he said. I mean, that, that's really that, that's an incredible statement because for Jewish people to give their lives to a Messiah that that was killed and then they claimed was raised again, this was a big deal for them. They they gave their lives to the to the one perfect Jewish man. They were completed Jews. They believed that there was only one way to God through Jesus. Some of them were persuaded by what he said, but others. The verse goes on did not believe. There is nothing more frustrating than to try to help someone see the truth about the Lord, about life, about what it is they need to do, about the plan of God for them, about His love, about His death, His resurrection, and for them to not believe it. There is nothing more frustrating. And sometimes, folks, let me tell you, if you're going to live your life on mission for the Lord, you are going to experience some very frustrating moments. Some people are not going to believe. Despite seeing and being introduced to the truth of Jesus, some people are not still going to submit their lives to Him. Some will act like they're interested, but aren't really. 
I've experienced this with doing different chaplain roles for baseball teams in particular. You know, they, they want to they, they, they make you think that they're really on board. And then you know what they do. You know they're not really committing themselves to the Lord. It can be a very frustrating experience. But I think more than fatigue and more than frustration, Paul bumped up against a serious amount of resistance that for most of us we would have just turned away from. Look at verse 25. Disagreeing among themselves, they began to leave. After Paul made one statement, the Holy Spirit correctly spoke through the prophet Isaiah to your forefathers when he said, Go to this people and say, You will listen and listen, yet never understand. You will look and look, yet never perceive. For this people's heart has grown callous. Their ears are hard of hearing, and they have shut their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears, understand with their heart, and be converted, and I would heal them. Therefore, let it be known to you that this saving work of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. It was at this moment that the people began to leave. They began to be very resistant to what Paul said, but this wasn't the first time that Paul had faced resistance. If you were to go with some of the backstory, some of what Paul dealt with leading up to this moment, this was very small. His story really of resistance, intense resistance, begins around chapter 21. I would encourage you to go back and read it. Paul completed his third missionary journey and left Ephesus in chapter 20. It was a very difficult thing. He loved those people. They loved him back. And in verse, 20, in verse 10 of chapter 21, we, we see that, that somebody tells Paul, look, you're, you're just going to face a lot of hardship. If you go to Jerusalem, if you continue this journey that you're on, let me tell you, you're going to have lots and lots of trouble. And what he faced was just that. He encountered people who brought false accusations against him, people who plotted to kill him, who tried to ambush him as he traveled back and forth. He was left in jail for two years by rulers who were just doing favors for each other. The Jewish leaders were, were bringing serious, very serious, but unprovable charges against him. He set sail for Rome to go before Caesar, and on the way they encounter some really rough seas. They wind up shipwrecked. He gets bitten by a snake. Of all things. He faces lots and lots and lots of resistance. Paul was often tired, often frustrated, often resisted. And yet, amazingly, the last two verses of the book of Acts tell us that he's still going. In fact, it's during this time on house arrest that he wrote four books of the New Testament. He's not just taking up space, woe is me, waiting for a hearing that's going to clear his name. He's active in the work of the Lord. How is it? that he could be able to keep going when he's tired, when he's frustrated, and when he's resisted at every single point. I believe he gave, at least implicitly, a resounding yes to four questions that I want you to consider this morning. There are always going to be reasons to quit. You realize that Christianity is no longer as popular as it once was in our country? There's a reason to quit. You realize that people are more resistant now to the message of Jesus, in some cases at least? It's a reason to quit. You realize that young people ages 18 to 29 usually are nowhere to be found in the church? It's a reason to give up. There are always going to be reasons to give up. You're going to be tired. You're going to be frustrated. You're going to be resisted. 
how then can you keep going? And since there are so many reasons to give up, let me ask you, when those moments of fatigue and frustration and resistance come, pull out this sheet again. Keep it in your Bible somewhere and review these questions. It's not a test, but I think it will help you. First of all, is the truth of the gospel enough to keep you going? It certainly was for Paul. In chapter 21... Verse 13, write down the reference if you'd like. We're going to put it on the screen for you. Acts chapter 21, verse 13, they were begging him not to go to Jerusalem, and he replied to them, what are you doing? Weeping and breaking my heart. For He says, I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus was enough to keep him going. He believed that it's true. It wasn't just another story to him. My question for us is do we truly believe that the gospel is true? You say, well, absolutely, I believe it. If you believe it, is it enough to keep you going? Because for Paul and people who truly believed it in the New Testament, it was enough to keep them going, living life on mission. It wasn't just another story. It wasn't a Sunday school lesson. It was their life. The truth that God, because of our sin, left heaven to fix our mess. And he lived a perfect life that we couldn't live Jesus himself died in our place on the cross and was raised again by God the Father to promise eternal life for all who will believe. That's the foundation of our lives as Christians. Not just an add-on, not something we learn as a child and move on from. It is absolutely the heartbeat of our lives. If it's just another story to you, if it's take it or leave it, then I promise you'll quit at the first sign of fatigue or frustration or resistance. But if you believe it, truly, really believe it, and base your life on it, then the simple truth of the gospel will be enough to keep you going. Secondly, do lost people matter enough to keep you going? And by lost people, I mean people who don't know Jesus, who are lost, trying to find their way in this world, looking for what it is, and they're lost. Lost people matter enough to Paul. There's a great little episode in chapter 26. Verse 24, he's before different rulers in the Roman government. It says, as he was making his defense this way, Festus, one of those rulers, exclaimed in a loud voice, you're out of your mind, Paul. Too much study is driving you mad. All the students said, amen to that. Too much. If you ever listen, teachers, you don't want to let your students know this verse is in the Bible. Too much study is driving you mad. Anyway, verse 25, Paul replied, I'm not out of my mind, most excellent Festus. On the contrary, I'm speaking with words of truth and good judgment. For the king knows about these matters. It is to him I'm actually speaking boldly, for I'm not convinced that any of these things escapes his notice, since this was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you believe. Then Agrippa said to Paul, are you going to persuade me to become a Christian so easily? Verse 29, Gives Paul's heart for lost people. I wish before God, replied Paul, that whether easily or with difficulty, not only you, but all who listen to me today might become as I am, except for these chains. Paul said, lost people, people far from Jesus, they matter so much. I would, I would give anything. I just wish that you would understand. I wish that you would give your life to the Lord. Maybe the reason that we don't live on mission aside from our fear and our embarrassment, is that we don't truly care about people who are far from God. 
I'll admit to you, there are times when I just don't care. Maybe you're like that. Maybe we're ignorant. Maybe we, we've, we've believed the lie that well, all people eventually get to heaven. I mean, you know, God's a good, loving God, so all people get to heaven at some point. Maybe we believe that lie. You know, realize that if that's what you're, if, if you're under that belief, I don't, I don't mean to offend you in any way, but you're not believing what the Bible says. You're believing something else that's been made up to make us feel better. Not everybody goes to heaven. Only those who believe in Jesus as their Lord and Savior believe and repent of their sins, the Bible says. Only those. Maybe we're ignorant, or, or maybe we, we simply believe that those people deserve the punishment they get, forgetting that we do too. Paul cared about people, truly cared about them, who were far from God. He cared enough to keep them, to keep himself going in spite of his fatigue and his frustration and the resistance that he faced. Thirdly, is the call of God on your life enough to keep you going? I mean, you're going to experience times when you're just tired and you say, I'm, I'm done, I, I'm frustrated, nothing's working. You know, it's all I face is resistance. Come back to these questions. Is the call of God on your life enough to keep you going? It was for Paul. Chapter 22, verse 21. We get at the end of Paul's testimony this from him. Then he, Jesus, said to me, Go, because I will send you far away to the Gentiles. That's Paul's calling. That's his mission in life, is to take the gospel, to tell the story of Jesus to people who have never heard it before. In fact, the non-Jewish people, who most folks would have dismissed as heathens, deserving whatever punishment they get. Paul knew that God had called him to be a witness, called him far and above anything he did for a living to live on mission for the Lord. It was more, of an oblig- more than an obligation, rather. It's a calling. I wonder how many of us here will leave today with some sense of calling from God. You say, well, I mean, I, you know, I, I'm a farmer. Um, am I supposed to go be a missionary now? I mean, I, you know, I, I, I work in the school system. I mean, what, you know, what am I supposed to do? I'm not talking about what you do for a living. That's included in your calling. But your calling is far and away higher and bigger than that. I wonder if you'd begin to see the call of God on your life as something more than what you do for a living. But in that, what you do for a living gets to be part of that call. You know, what I do for a living happens to be pastoring this church. But you know, the call of God on my life is bigger than being the pastor of this church. God has every right to say, you're done being the pastor of any church. But the call of God on my life to be a witness, to live life on mission for Him, never changes. doesn't matter what I do, whether it's up front or it's behind the scenes, whether it's important to everybody or not. The call of God never changes. And then fourthly, is your relationship with Jesus enough to keep you going? The truth is, it was for Paul. In chapter 26, and I won't take the time to read through every bit of this, but chapter 22 and chapter 26, he gives his testimony two different times. And he simply just recounts the great thing that Jesus did for him as he traveled to Damascus. Paul tells them that Jesus interrupted his life, called him out of his lostness and his darkness, even though Paul thought he had it all together. And Jesus interrupts him, blinds him with his great light, and gets his attention. And saves him from certain doom. 
Paul's testimony was never about the great things that he had done for the Lord. And as he said in Philippians, if anybody had stuff to brag about, it's him. But all he wanted to talk about was the great thing that the Lord had done for him. His life was wrapped up in knowing Jesus and knowing Him more each day. I wonder if maybe you're to the point where you say, I'm tired, I'm frustrated, it's just resistance, and I just feel like giving up. I wonder if you just simply go back and say, is Jesus enough to keep me going? Is my relationship with Him growing? Is it developing? Is it deepening? Am I asking Him to increase my faith and my love for Him? Fatigue and frustration and resistance are going to come. And this may feel like a downer of a message. I don't want to send you out without the full truth. I want you to know that all those things are going to come. But the truth of the gospel is enough to keep you going. The, the fact that lost people matter is enough to keep you going. The call of God on your life is enough to keep you going. And your relationship with Jesus is certainly enough to keep you going. I told you this morning, I, I, I want to identify the reasons why you'll want to give up. Fatigue, frustration, resistance. Give you some questions to go back to when you experience those times. Those four that we listed. And then I want you to leave committed to this life on mission, not in your own strength, but in that of Jesus. You've got a little card there in your bulletin. Our fifth and final go card. You're going to take this one with you. I'm not going to ask for it. I would hope that you would simply put it in a prominent place. Maybe it's on the dashboard of your car. Maybe it's on the mirror where you get ready each morning. But all it says is, Jesus, keep me going. It's not, I'm going to keep going. I'll do all I can. It's simply a, a prayer. A submission. Jesus, keep me going. When I'm tired, when I'm frustrated, when I'm resisted, Lord, keep me going in this life on mission for you. It may be that in your home you feel like giving up. It may be that in your job, your workplace, you're done with those people. Or at your school or wherever it is that you are on a daily basis. And you'd simply say to the Lord as you see this card, Jesus, keep me going. You're the only thing that can, the only one who can do it. We've identified the reasons, given you some questions to come back to, and I pray that you will leave today, not in your own strength, but in that of Jesus Christ. He's the one that can keep you going. Let me just tell you, as we close out this particular series, that uh, for those of you who, who took the survey ahead of time, for those of you who have filled out the different sermon evaluations, I know some of you really enjoy doing that. For those, and I'll have another survey that I'll be giving to you just so you know, it's the exact same thing as it was at the beginning to test the before and after. For those who participated in that, thank you very much. Just as a recap, if you're brand new with us, the reason there's a sermon evaluation sheet in there is not because I'm a glutton for punishment, but because this is a part of my dissertation that I'm having to write, and so now the fun part begins as I really get to write all of this stuff down. But thank you for participating. I, I hope that, that for all of us, I really do, I selected this particular topic not because it was so easy to write about and to help me get a degree, but I believe it is absolutely vital to our church. I think it's vital not only to 
our church surviving? Let's be honest. If our church survives for the next hundred years and does nothing for the sake of God's kingdom, we might as well shut the doors tomorrow. It's not about our church surviving. It's about us doing what God has called us to do, participating in the life of God in this world. And so it's selected not just to be something that we tie a little bow on and we move on and we forget about it in my life or in ours. But I hope it is a catalyst for us to understand that God, out of His grace, has not only given us salvation and forgiveness of sin, but has set us on mission for Him, given us a chance to partner with Him and participate. So I say all that to say thank you for those who have participated. I, I'm not sure that I'll get a great opportunity to tell you that again, but I appreciate that very much. Let's pray together as we close this morning. I want very quickly to mention maybe for some this morning who are here, and maybe God has just kind of been on you today. And you, you feel as if he's speaking directly to you about something. There may be a variety of things God wants to say to you this morning. And let me tell you, the first one might be that he wants to reveal to you that you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. Maybe today, for the very first time, you would simply throw yourself at his mercy and just say, Lord, I, I got nothing. You're my only hope. I can't live the life that I'm supposed to. I can't be perfect like you have called me to be. And so, Lord, I need you to be perfect on my behalf. The Bible tells us that whoever calls on the name of the Lord, God will give salvation to that person, will forgive them of their sins. And so maybe today you'd simply call out for Jesus. Maybe God is speaking to you directly about life on mission, and you just say, I've never, I've never I haven't done that. Maybe you just make a commitment. Lord, I don't know what it's going to involve. But today, today I commit to you. Use me as you will. Heavenly Father, we're grateful this morning to be able to, to hear your word, to hear directly from you through the scripture. Lord, keep us going. Help us, Lord, in the moments where we're tired and frustrated and when we find resistance at every turn. Individually, Lord, and as a church, keep us going. We again pray for those folks that several weeks ago we decided to put their name on a card and say that's who I'm targeting. That's who's on my heart. That's who I want to see come to Jesus. Lord, keep those folks on our mind. Keep us going. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.